So today I had green tea, mm. which I haven't had. I used to drink all the time that I haven't had in a while. So we'll see how its effects truly are. If you if you feel uh, alive from yeah, debatable. From it. I mean, do I ever really feel that alive? <laughs> um, yeah, that's this yeah. is true. This is true. Yeah. I mean, unless, I mean, maybe when I'm like eating a meal. <laughs> I feel most alive when, when I'm, I'm eating a burrito. I'm truly living. Oh my God, now I need a burrito. That's the life. So I might need to get one later today. Heck yeah. I'll eat a burrito in your honor. What really matters is that you get the burrito. Exactly. At the end of the day, the burrito is what matters. This is why I, I get along with you because you understand my priorities. They're always a good idea. No matter the time of day, a burrito is a good idea. Welcome to the Act Break Podcast, where we're talking about all things story. From books to movies, shows, and probably other stuff too, we're chatting it out and trying to remember what it's like to actually have conversations with other human beings. Take a break from your creative endeavors and hang out with us. Have a little simulated human interaction, because internet friends totally count. Do you have your introduction ready? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the Act Break Podcast. If you've been listening for some time, thank you. If this is your first time here, we uh, like to introduce ourselves. And usually with a podcast, you'd introduce yourself and give some credentials. But since we have no technical <laughs> credential, <laughs> we usually just share a, a fun fact. So uh, my name is Jamie. And I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, good. It's not just me. Yeah, perfect. I at least remembered my name. Yay. Thanks, green tea. <laughs> I think I was going to say that I'm way too particular. Oh, there you go. I'm Carly, and I'm anxious, but I drink too much coffee anyways. Damn, that's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> As she slurps more caffeine down. Do you have the stack of books that we're going to be talking mm -hmm. about today? So we thought it might be a good idea to have a little chat about writing books, books that are specifically about writing. Yes. You missed everything I just said, didn't you? I didn't hear anything you just said. I took my headphones off and walked away to grab the book stack, but I trusted you to say what we needed you to say so that I could have them close to me so that we could remember which ones we have. It's a it's a big solid stack. It's a nice stack. I would say that it's what like 9 books. Um yeah, and I feel like I was really pleased aesthetically. They're all kind of in this like reddish orangey hue with some white and yeah. black and I mean, you'll you'll see fair listener on the Instagram. Yeah, we might have a particularly short episode today. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's, I don't have a huge amount to say on the subject. Well, there's, I think there's only so much you can say. Yeah. I just want to say that green tea is not coffee. It, it is not. I can't drink it by itself. I have to like steep mint tea first to mask oh, really? the taste of the green tea. Unless oh, really? it's matcha. I have to steep the mint tea first. It's not not for me <laughs> straight green tea situation okay so 
we thought that we would just share some of the books that we've enjoyed and perhaps maybe the ones we haven't enjoyed. I don't know. I felt like it was more just like a talk in general since I pretty much only have one book on writing that I ever use or recommend. Yeah. Ever. So why don't we just start there and that'll launch oh, okay. us off. And then I can just leave and you can finish the rest of the episode. I feel like that would be Perfect. boring because I want to Are have Are you calling dis- yourself boring? Sometimes I am. I'm not going to lie. I Sometimes I am. All right. Well, then I guess we'll start with that one. Yeah, my number one book that I find helpful and I would suggest to other writers is Save the Cat. Uh, I preferred the original, the one about screenwriting, because the concepts translate to novels. I've never read the novel version. I'm sure you, Carly, could help uh, on that side. But um, it's just a really good reference for structure and for people who struggle with structure it can be an invaluable tool yes I completely agree as someone who struggles with structure (laughs) it has been very helpful to me what I will say about the novel version is that Okay, so I recommend reading Save the Cat on screenwriting, even if you're not writing screenplays. But I like the novel version of Save the Cat because they give you percentages rather than like the in Save the Cat for screenwriting, they give you pages. Like this should be on this page because screenplays are supposed to be like a certain number of pages. And obviously books fluctuate with how long they are depending on what you're writing etc so I do like that they give you a percentage of of like roughly where things are supposed to go I for whatever reason it it I can't translate that myself from the screenplay one and I also like that they have very specific examples from novels. The drawback to it is that um, I disagree with some of the perspectives on like her interpretation, but I think that that's just a splitting hairs thing. So we should mention too. So Save the Cat was like a super popular book on screenwriting and the original author of yeah. that passed away. And so every subsequent uh, Save the Cat that's come out is by somebody who's not the original, but building off the same concepts. So the person who did the novel version is actually a different person than the original. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's a good point to to put in there. And and it's tough because like, you know, they're very popular novels that she uses examples from, but they're not helpful really when you want to like, for me, the part that I struggled with is I wanted more information on how to pace the and hit the beats when you have multiple POVs, not just like two or three, but like seven because <laughs> epic fantasy. <laughs> so, um, so I would love it if somebody were able to 
take like I I keep meaning to at some point taking a epic fantasy novel and really trying to break down the beats for myself like visually where they hit in something like you know a uh, song of ice and fire or um something like that yeah something that's going to be um like 200k yeah exactly something really really substantial with yeah with multiple POVs and all of that so anyways those are good resources I think but I think each of them has their has their drawback depending on on what how your brain works but I highly recommend the screenwriting one as well yeah it's it's my all-time favorite because I don't like it when people repeat themselves and that's like a big thing with nonfiction. Um, it's just like the nature of the beast of how it's structured. Uh, like at the beginning of every chapter, they say, this is what you're going to learn in the chapter. And then they tell you. And at the end, they say, this is what you learned. And like, wow, it's like watching Dora the Explorer. <laughs> and so I prefer like a condensed yeah. version of information. You're a fan of brevity. Uh, yeah. And I really was excited when I found Save the Cat but I had already written what I hope to someday be my debut novel. I kind of went through to see how close it was, and it it was close, which was nice. Ever since then, though, when I do structure a, a whole a whole new story, I love to have that resource when you're like, ah, I don't know exactly, you know, pace wise. I'm trying to think what would go here and just to have Save the Cat to reference back to, it's like, well, if you were going to follow the, because that's the other thing about Save the Cat is it's not mm -hmm. hard and fast rules. You can bend them, yeah. you can break them, you can move things. Uh, and I think a lot of people get caught up in the like, these beats have to go in this order yeah. all the time. But I don't think that that's always the case, but it, it helps when you're stuck. I think fun and games is when it always helps me the most. <laughs> the murky middle. <laughs> yeah, the murky middle. Because you're like, well, what do I do here? Yeah. And one of my favorite things it says is fun and games is where you make good on your concept. It's the thing that if it was in the movie, most of the parts of your trailer for the movie would come from the fun and games. Yeah. And that always helps me because I'm like, oh, okay. So this is where it's like, I'm going to make some crazy space crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I like that you made that point of that getting hung up on it sometimes some people and I know for me, I've gotten hung up on it sometimes where I'm like, well, it has to be like this. And then I can't get my brain to think of anything creative because I'm trying to follow the beats too hard. But it's amazing. You're right. Like there have definitely been times where I have been like well what I, I just can't think of anything next and then I pick it up and I'm like oh okay this should happen roughly next and then that kind of helps get my the brain juices flowing the other thing I always think too is that you think oh these are the big important story beats some of them are like can be a tiny tiny nuanced thing within your story Sometimes you get caught up like thinking every single beat is like a giant set piece or plot point, but sometimes it's just something that's happening within another beat, like the whole Dark Knight for the Soul or mm -hmm. 
fun and games or even the debate from the beginning. Like it doesn't have to always be some huge moment. Yeah. Sometimes it's just deeply embedded in their little little things. Yeah. Right. Or it's happening alongside like the thing I always think about is like theme stated is happening during the setup and your opening image is happening during yeah. this like it's the setup and then these are like little subcategories within it and they all go together. They're not like and now we go to the theme stated. It's oh the other part of Save the Cat, which I think is uh helpful is the different methods that they list for um, types of story. Oh, yeah. Monster in the house. Mm -hmm. And once you find it, you can read us a couple of different ones. But uh, Golden Fleece, Mm -hmm. it sums up what these different types of stories are really well. Then it gives you like a couple of methods on like how to give information without being super exposition-y. Right. Um, uh, dude with a problem. Um, out of the bottle. We've got rites of passage, buddy love, why done it? You know. So it gives it like um, it breaks story types into categories. Yeah. Which can help uh, a lot of people just define what their book is to somebody else. You know, because yeah. d- describing what your book is to somebody else can always, sometimes be the hardest part of being a writer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I definitely um, learned a lot from both versions of the book on how to figure out what I'm writing from the standpoint of trying to talk about it. I think sometimes we spend too long trying to figure out what we're writing while we're writing it. And we need to like not do that so much. We just write the thing and then figure out exactly what it is after you did. But you have to at some point tell somebody. I mean, if you want to be published, if you don't want to be published, it doesn't matter. But if you want to be published, at some point, you got to figure out how to explain your story to somebody. (laughs) Talking about the more of guidelines and actual rules is the theme of how I feel about all writing craft books. There is no right way to write except to just write there's no like you have to follow this writer's method or that writer's method I enjoy reading about different people's methods because I think it's fascinating and it might give you some ideas but prescriptive writing advice is just an opinion yeah books would be so boring if everybody wrote their books the same way yeah Because you just would never end up with so much of the good things that come out that break rules. Absolutely. Which are my favorite books. Yeah. So, yeah, don't take anything as gospel. Yeah. When it comes to a writing craft book. Absolutely. I think you pick what works for you. And what I have discovered is that I have no idea what works for me until I try it. And sometimes I try it and I'm like, nope, that was wrong. Or I'm like, oh, maybe I just need to practice this a bit more. And sometimes I try it and it's great. But you can't really know when I was super, super new. When I first started writing, I wanted to write just like 
my favorite writers and not not just like prose wise like I wanted to have the same like routine or habits or whatever because just you know that whole like you wanted to emulate them yeah you want to emulate them which is I think a natural thing but you know I can't (laughs) I can't go off and have uh you know my wife watch my children and feed me three square meals a day leave them outside of my door and so that I am just the muse is uninterrupted (laughs) I don't live in that world bummer I think most of us don't What's the next book okay. you want to talk about? Okay, so I was going to go into ones that I think are, um, I this might be controversial, but I found both Story Genius and Wired for Story by Lisa Cron to be both helpful and uh, infuriating at the same time. Really? Um, and I know people swear by them. So... I will say what I liked the best, Wired for Story, um, out of those two books because um, she kind of she talks about the brain science behind why human beings are obsessed with storytelling, and I found that really interesting. But Story Genius, I f- tried it because so it's so the wired for story is the brain science of like why we do it and kind of using that to inform your storytelling more and then the story genius was more of like a very specific this is how you go about doing it and I found some of it helpful but I mostly wound up just psyching myself out and not being able to write at all after I tried to outline with the story of genius. And so I just felt like it was way too much. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was the story genius I had started reading when I accepted the fact that I don't really like craft books <laughs> on writing. <laughs> That's not because of it as much, but just because... I, that's probably why I decided to say that I am too particular or so particular is because it's not her book. It's just my preferences that I'm like, Hmm. I just don't want some things explained to me. Yeah. Some things uh, I, my brain does and I don't necessarily understand why. And I'm almost afraid that if I unraveled why my brain does and structures and how my brain writes if I figured it out it might stop working (laughs) um that I completely relate to that because that's kind of how I felt about story genius is that I think it gets to the point where the book is good and the concept is a really smart concept and it works for a lot of people so there's nothing wrong with it. It's that's the whole point of having, you know, an opinion is you're allowed to say that something doesn't work for you. Yeah. But it can still work for somebody else. Yeah. I had only gotten to about page 12 of Story Genius. And I know a lot of people who love it. A lot of people yeah. raved about it, which is why I got it. And the more people I can help, the better wasn't for me I just I like the way I do things right now yeah and I like the way my brain structures things and so I don't want to take in a whole bunch of information that is 
different or contradictory or obvious. I feel like that's kind of just not the most advantageous for me right now. Yeah. So I kind of gave up on the the craft books scene after Story Genius. I think that's fair. I mean, I it that's not to say that you won't ever change your mind, but right now that's not what works for you. And it may never mm-hmm. be what works for you, but I think that's kind of the point. Everybody's yeah. different. Everybody goes about it differently. Um, there was a whole season where I – I found reading as many craft books as possible to be very helpful and inspirational to me. But then I went through a wave where I was like, I'm getting too in my head and I can't see the forest for the trees. And not just the trees, like a tree and the bark on that tree and the exact texture and shade of that bark. Like it it got to the point where I was like, I'm so focused on this, like hyper focused on these things that they're trying to teach me that I can't even just write. I can't write a story anymore because I'm obsessed with making it fit this format. And not everybody I think does that, but that's what happened after I read Story Genius. I think that it's a, it made a lot of sense, but I think it made too much sense. And I was like, ha Get out of my head. And that's like with not reading craft books, I don't mean that I can't learn anything. Oh. I absolutely oh, can't. Right. But what happens for me is when I want, if I want to learn something particular or I'm struggling with a certain story aspect, I find uh, YouTube videos. Like I just found one from Mary Robinette about oh, nice. short stories. Um, so not just anybody on YouTube, right? Yeah, you know, but like Brandon Sanderson has like a whole series of lectures, and what I want to know more about a particular story concept or whatever, how other people do it, I go out and I seek that particular thing. You seek out the information on that particular thing from someone you know that does it well. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've noticed about writing craft books is that most people I've seen that write books on craft, at least the ones that I've read, I have not seen much fiction by them. Mm. And I'm not saying that they haven't written fiction or that it's not good because I don't know. All I'm saying is that if you have an author that you really like Read, you know, if they have a blog or a YouTube video or something like that, maybe look that up. Take some advice from somebody you know does something well that you want to try to emulate or figure out how to do. What's the next book that you would call like your favorite craft book? My favorite um, has really nothing to do with like prescriptive advice. And I think that that's why it's my favorite. I mean, not nothing to do. Wait, let me guess. On Writing by Stephen King. No, but I do love On Writing by Stephen King, and I do have it right here as part of the stack because I just do. I think it's really good. I highly recommend it because he largely just says, you know, do what works for you. I actually, my favorite is Anything by Chuck Wendig. Oh. The one I have right here is Kick-Ass Writer, but he has so many books about writing and a lot of fiction and a lot of fiction and I like his fiction and it's prescriptive advice 
but he does it with such like a snark and I mean don't read this book if you don't like swearing or dirty jokes or whatever like his humor it's it's filthy but I love it and he's hilarious because he doesn't take himself too seriously Mm -hmm. and I find that exactly what I need a lot of the time is stuff like that to remind me like I I get in my head so much about like the act of being a writer and this artsy idea of like and it's just it's not that that's not reality Mm. it's the nuts and bolts and none of us really know what we're doing and he's very um He's very down to earth about like nobody knows what they're doing. Like we're all just cranking out words or, you know, we're just we're trying to put out our art into the universe and hope for the best. And his uh, his humor really helps remind me to just stop taking myself so seriously and just enjoy what I'm doing because that's why I started doing it in the first place. Yeah, the the taking yourself too seriously is definitely I I can see that um as a hindrance yeah because you you just get to in your own head yeah yeah I my subject matter lends me to not do that just Mm. because I'm like um I just literally had one of my characters turn into a ladder (laughs) so you can't really stay too serious and do the ridiculous things that I do which I'm so grateful that you do the ridiculous things that you do because I enjoy reading them. It's, it's fine. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, yes. I, I can't wait. I had another book I thought of that I wanted to suggest to writers that is not a writing craft book. Oh. And that is Deep Work by Cal Newport, I, I think, think. I think so. That sounds right. Let's go and with it. it's one of those books that's not going to be for everybody because it says you should do this and mm-hmm. this will help you. And not everybody is going to find it the most like inspiring. But this is one of the books that I really liked. And it talks about uh, basically deep focus and flow states and the act of having your attention broken away from what you're doing, anything you're doing, but I feel like it is especially applicable to writing where you put everything else aside when you can and only, you know, don't have your, don't be on your phone and don't be on the internet, just focusing solely on your story. Yeah, pretty much Save the Cat, Deep Work, and Atomic Habits are like, oh, you're going to be a writer? Maybe you should check these books out. Yeah, I I liked Deep Work overall. Like, I'm really glad that I read it. It was a bit heavy for me with, mm-hmm. like, all of the research and stuff. And I, and I like, you know, more academic works. But it was so worth reading or listening. I think I listened to it. It was so worth listening to because I just – he does offer so much interesting information about focus and all of that. And I, I found that very, very helpful as well. I read it two years ago, Yeah, it's I been think. a little bit of time. So I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it does the same thing that I was just talking about where they, they do like, this is what you're going to learn. Then you learn it. And then this is what 
you learned in the summary. So there are sections that I skip because I don't need to read something three times. So if that's a thing that bothers you too, just know that when I read this book, I do still skip over the repetitive nature of uh, nonfiction books. Yeah, understandably. Um, I think that that's the nice thing about nonfiction is for the people who enjoy the repetition because that's what helps them learn, it's there. But you can just skip it if you don't want to. You turn the page or you fast forward or whatever. And if you're like really not feeling a particular book, you can just skip to the summary. Oh, yeah. Instead of skipping the summary, you skip the chapter, but then read the summary. There you you go. There you go. There's another one that I forgot about. um, Pretty much anything by Austin Kleon. Um, It's more of like being an artist in general, um, just being a creator. He's got like, it's a, a series of like three or four, right? Yeah, he's got several. So it's Steal Like an Artist show your work and the one that I have in my hand is keep going and they're really short and you can find Austin Kleon on Instagram and like see what I mean they're really short and simple and I think that he's really nice for people who like brevity as well because it's quick and to the point he shares really great ways to be creative understanding that while nothing is really original the whole steal like an artist idea is like you know you take from the people that came before you and you make it fresh and you put your own spin on it and because you are a unique individual but I think it's nice to it's that whole concept of like oh it's not just me and he's really really good at that um so the other two I have here oh yeah so these are these are the other two uh ones that I have also not made it through let's start with the first one which is the anatomy of story which you hear a lot of people talk about when it comes to structure. There are a whole bunch of like methods in that book. I believe they're like spreadsheets that you can make. That way you can track where your characters are, when your characters interact with each other. I can see that book being the type of book you were talking about, where if you're not careful, you can get so hyper-focused on these crazy little things. And I will say that once you've written a draft of an epic fantasy, I could see how after the fact, plugging in and using those methods might become very helpful if you are tracking a lot of different characters over a wide range of um, like your world and when they connect with each other. Because um, like A Song of Ice and Fire, you have a lot of characters who interact with each other and it takes so long that sometimes you're like, have these two people even ever met? Right. And that sort of thing. I have heard a lot of good things. I have it. Maybe one day I'll read it. Maybe I won't. I haven't read it either, but I have heard good things about it. But I started flipping through it and I'm like, oh, yeah, like I, I'll get myself in trouble with that one. <laughs> and the other one is Pity the Reader by Kurt Vonnegut and Suzanne McConnell. Yeah. And I actually have that on Audible, and I've been slowly listening to it. I'm going to – it's not even that much of a limb. I was going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not 
actually like this is how you write because that is not the kind of person Kurt Vonnegut was. Mm -hmm. It's more uh, a gathering of his musings about writing and why he writes and why everybody should write and it's very Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, that that Uh, seems, yeah, that's kind of seems like the, uh, or at least one section of Stephen King's, it's like musings about his personal experience with writing and yeah my original yeah. plan was to have that book finished by the, this recording but that's not the kind of person I <laughs> I like to study for a test the night before that test yeah understandably and you can't read a book that big in one night no it is quite a thick book and I pretty much knew it wouldn't be like a book on craft the same way some of these other books have been. I tend to enjoy reading more about a writer's personal perspective of writing and how that manifests for them than I am reading a book that says, here's your story and this is exactly the track that it needs to follow. And I get that in order to market a book, you have to say things like, this is the only craft book you'll ever need and all of that stuff. Like (laughs) that's part of marketing. Yeah. (laughs) But anybody that claims that they have the be all end all of writing advice, no. Like take everything with a grain of salt and – pick something from this person and something from that person and something from that person and doesn't mean that it's not great information and if you know the one book works for you awesome but it's not going to work for every single writer ever yeah my best writing advice the end-all be-all of all writing advice is don't (laughs) just don't just Just go do something else (laughs) go take a walk go outside Pick a flower. Uh, I was trying not to interrupt you, and then I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, no. This is why we interrupt each other. Oh, that's what I was going to say, is I think it's interesting what you were, you were saying about being more interested in writers' personal, like, basically philosophies for writing. And so I'm like, I don't know if it's because we're getting older because like the whole world's on fire or but we've like having more existential crises (laughs) that I'm like I'm more interested in the philosophy of writing than the nuts and bolts of writing (laughs) I personally have always loved philosophy I actually almost majored in philosophy in college um you know before I failed out um hey I was gonna make a joke but I won't do it. World of Warcraft is more important than a college education. We all know that. At the time, I agreed with that. But that's one of the reasons why I love Kurt Vonnegut in general is because all of his stuff is about like the human condition and the philosophy of human nature and all that wrapped up in a really wacky, confusing package. <laughs> Yes, um, that I'm sure that I would enjoy it as well then. But I definitely agree. As I'm getting older, I'm definitely much, much less interested in, um, like, don't, don't, you don't tell me. <laughs> don't, tell, don't, don't tell me how to like, do my job. Don't tell me what to do, okay? <laughs> I don't think it actually has anything to do with the fact that I'm getting older. I think it has everything to do with the fact that I burned myself out on the nuts and bolts. But I do think that there was a 
a season that I needed to understand more the craft than I did. And so I dove in as I as I do with both feet and I learned a lot of really great stuff that I think I'm being able to apply now. But perhaps if you're going to dive into the nuts and bolts, go in with both eyes open and know that you can overwhelm yourself really fast because there's kind of an obsession I think people in general have with wanting to do a thing so well that they want to just have like the this is the answer to all of my problems thing and that's why I think I was reading so many craft books is because I just wanted to have the answer and I wanted to say, well, this exactly is the formula for how you write a good book. There is no formula for writing a good book. There are guidelines that help you figure out perhaps the shape of your story, but there is no way to say that a book is good or bad because it did or did not follow the three-act structure. Well, and what will happen is, say you're writing your first book, and you read all these craft books, and you unlock the secret, and you make this beautiful, structured story. When you go to your next story, everything will be different. You will have yeah. to adapt and do it a totally different way because it's a new story. Yeah, a lot of people use, like like you said, the three-act structure, the five-act structure, but it's never mm -hmm. the same thing twice. Yeah. I'm on five, six, my sixth books. I don't even know at this point. Every single one has been different in like the, the way that I go about it. The way that it manifests. Yeah. Just, just either write or don't write. <laughs> That's my advice. It's really <laughs> super helpful. Yeah. We're all trying to relate, I think, to each other and to find commonality in the writing mm. process, which is why we're on social media with other writers and we, you know, share what we're doing or not doing or mainly jokes about how we're struggling about writing. And, you know, I think that that's why craft books exist. We want to understand it better, for one thing, which is great. We should. Not enough writers, I think, understand how a story serves per certain purposes, but that's just my opinion. But there's also a certain amount of just wanting to, to feel seen. And by reading books by other writers, you have the potential to feel seen and to be like, okay, it's, it's not just me. That's a good point. Misery loves company. <laughs> Yes, it does. Well, thank you for sharing mostly your opinions because you've read so many more craft books than I have. It was a good discussion. Good chat. Good chat. All right. Well, I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you too. And I will talk to you again next week. Yeah. And to our internet friends, I hope that you will listen to us again next week. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> If you enjoyed our podcast today, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It really helps us out and makes us feel like we're not just screaming into the void. You can also follow or subscribe, tell a friend, share us on Instagram, you know, all those markety type things. But most of all, come back next week. We'll be here, internet friends.